Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode two of the Inside Out podcast. We're glad that you are joining us for this episode as we are, as society as a whole, continuing in uh, our, our, our quarantined lives and, and, and we're all kind of tiptoeing back into, into reintegrating into normal society. I am um, here, as always, with Pastor Brent Kimball of City Point Church. Um, are you getting back into normal life yet? Or, I mean, where are you at? We're not, to, we're not allowed to do that yet, so we're trying to um, tiptoe our way into a normal life, but it, it is still somewhat restrictive. My Wednesday night date nights are still being conducted by way of carry out and sitting in my truck watching a sunset with my wife and yeah. eating, eating dinner versus enjoying a meal at a nice restaurant or just a, you know, everyday type restaurant. And yeah, so it's still different. You guys just pretend that you're teenagers again. That's that was like a date in the teenage years. Is just go get some fast food and drive around in your car because you didn't have any money to do anything. Right. So um, I'm I'm waiting for phase two to 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 get on um, here in our state because I'm ready to get a haircut. I've been cutting my own hair for two and a half months now, and uh, it's not pretty. In fact, earlier today. I had my hat off in my office because we have been back uh, in the office op- optionally, of course. And you tried to, you tried to talk to me and um, I didn't have my hat on and it was, uh, I had to put my hat on before we could resume our conversation. So I'm looking forward to uh, being in a barber shop again. Yeah. People you're not, you, you have no idea what you're missing out on. If you could see the video and Mike were to take his hat off, you would know what my reaction was earlier today. Yeah. He says he's been cutting his hair for the last two and a half months, but he's only been cutting part of it. And so it is, um, <laughs> he needs the hat people. Just, I'm just telling you right now. He needs I actually, I ran into my barber at the grocery store the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, does that mean you violated social distancing? Like you actually ran into her or you just saw her from a six foot distance and greeted her? Well, it was a him and um, oh, I, gotcha. he asked to see it. We we're in the middle of the grocery store and I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And he said, <laughs> he said, you have to show me. And so we're in the middle of the grocery store. I take my hat off and he starts dying laughing. I mean, cackling in the middle of the store. And yep. then I tried to bribe him to illegally cut my hair um, and he wasn't having it. So he was. <laughs> yeah, we tried the same thing with, with Titus. He's graduating next week. We got to cut a video for his ceremony tomorrow at the school. And this is like a, you know, a, a nice uh, supposed to dress up like you would at a graduation ceremony and we would do this video. So we tried to, we tried to coerce somebody, the person that's cut his hair in the past that we tried to coerce them into cutting um, his hair for the sake of the graduation, but they declined. Um, and so, yeah, it, but his does not look, his not, no, no offense, my friend, but his does not look anything near as bad as yours does. Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm proud of it. Okay. I, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. That's all I can do. <laughs> yeah. Just figure it out. Right. Just figure it out. I don't want to belabor the point, but then there's part of me that's worried that once this new phase opens up, I mean, barbershops are going to be booked for about two months in advance. So this might, 
might be my look all summer. <laughs> Just oh, my... oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we are. I think that we are all. Um, we're, we're we're getting ready to to get back into normal life, or at least try to to be as normal as possible. And this has been um, for many people an awkward time. Like you, you run into people in the store that maybe you know, and you're not exactly sure where they're at as, as far as things are. And so, you know, even interacting with people has been um, interesting. And so here's what I wanted to ask you. Um, talking about awkwardness and social interaction. Uh, that's like, <laughs> those things have to do with ministry pretty heavily. <laughs> they happen quite a bit. Yeah, I want to know uh, for you, as someone who's been a pastor for the last twenty plus years, what are some of your most awkward moments um, in a church mm-hmm. gathering or with uh, people who make up the family of God? Yeah, well, that's it's, it's, let's see. It's been uh, since nineteen ninety four, so this is twenty six plus years. Yeah, so that's pretty crazy. Um, and I've got a lot of those stories that I, I could take up all of our time with. Um, my one of my first awkward moments was my very first sermon that I preached in front of our youth ministry back in nineteen ninety four. This heartfelt appeal, preaching the gospel, and really thinking this is going great. And then at the end, everybody's heads are bowed and their eyes are closed. And we're trying to bring, you know, some sort of application and response. And my wife at that moment informs me that my zipper was down the whole time. And I was like, oh, my very first sermon, that was, that just felt like, uh, you know, she popped my balloon right there for sure. That was terrible. So um, let's see what else. Then there was the, Here's an awkward moment. I one time we had a, a, a at this church there were deacons and yeah. um, and there was this deacon who was there. And I, I think he loved God. Um, he was kind of an ornery guy, right? <laughs> so loving God and being ornery don't really mix very well. Right. But he, but he was kind of ornery and he had some really strong opinions. And he was I think between ten and ten and fifteen years older than me. So at this point, I'm in my early 30s, maybe early to mid 30s. Um, and so he was around 50. So basically, he's kind of almost my age now where I was at or where he was at when, d- during this time. And, uh, and he just constantly played the I'm older than you card, which is I know people who are older than me or whoever it is they're talking to. If you're 25, you play the older than I, I'm older than you card to an 18 year old. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you're 45, you play that card with anybody that's in their thirties, whatever. I mean, some people do that. It's kind of typical. Right. Personally despise that card being played. I don't try to play that. I try not to play that card on people, but anyway, he constantly did this to me. And basically, basically the, the idea was when I get to be his age, then I'm going to see things the way he does. Not that I'm going to see them differently than I do when I was, you know, when I'm in my early 30s, because of course, 10 or 15 years later, I see some things differently. Like I think back right now, right now I'm 48 years old, this fall I'll be 49, and I think back to the way I saw things when I was in my early 30s, and of course I see some things differently. Not entirely differently, but I I see some things differently. Of course you would, 
if you're not changing uh, it, your your view on things and your understanding of God and Scripture and all of those things, like you're you're not growing. So of course I do. But in his mind, it was I was going to see things the way he does. And so at one point, he continued to play this card and play this card. And we had a private meeting. Like this was going to be a come to Jesus type meeting. And, uh, and so he's, he played the card to me again. And so I finally just stopped him. And I said, I said you know, I almost said his name. <laughs> I said, you know, you play that card, that you're older than me card to me all the time. And I said, I just want you to know that um, at some point, we're all adults, right? At some point, we're all adults, whether you're 50 or 30 or in your 20s. Yes, a, somebody who's in their 20s doesn't have the life experience, maybe even the maturity of somebody that's 50. Of course, we get all that. But at some point, we're all adults, mm -hmm. right? And so I told him that. And, and I said, I said, um, and I said, and I just want you to know that when I grow up, which is he was insinuating I wasn't grown up yet. I said, when I grow up, I'm not going to be like you, right? That kind of, um, that, there was an awkward moment there where I wasn't sure whether he was going to blow a gasket or, you know, storm out of the room or what. But that kind of just, I don't remember if that's moment that he left the church but it wasn't very long after that so that was an awkward that was the moment <laughs> he was already looking for reasons to leave he just ushered him out uh, exactly exactly <laughs> yeah and then on the lighter side there was a time we did this big christmas thing once big production christmas sunday you know the sunday before christmas and um and for whatever reason we decided it would be really cool to bring all the elementary age type kids and like three and four year olds up onto the platform. And okay. I was going to be sitting in this chair on the platform and read a book to these kids. Okay. And I think I go, oh, wow, that was special. Um, and it kind of was a cool thing, except I'm reading this. I got this big book. It's a, it's a big children's book. And there's several hundred people in the auditorium, probably 40 kids or something on the platform. And this one little boy, probably four years old or whatever, I don't remember. He decides to get up. He wants to sit on my lap while I'm reading the story. Right. I'm thinking, well, how do I tell him no, kid? Get down on the floor. I don't know what to say. So he sits on my lap. That's a sweet look. Fine. What's that? That's a sweet look for what you're going, you know. Yeah, just yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, so pastoral and so Christmassy, whatever. It's all good. Yeah. And then, but what happened? He brought his water bottle up there and in the, in the <laughs> he spills his water bottle right in my crotch. <laughs> And so I'm like, I've got some khakis on or something. And so I'm sitting there with this big book in my, in my lap. And I'm thinking, in my, the next thing I'm supposed to do is dismiss the kids and then stand in front of the congregation and do something else. So I stand up, I've got this big children's book in front of, I'm holding it in front of me. And everybody has a pretty good idea as to why I'm doing that at this point. And I've lost the, you know, people are laughing and it's this big funny thing. So that was kind of awkward because it did definitely look like I peed my pants. <laughs> but just for the record, I did not pee my pants. It was the kid's water. Thank you for clarifying. That's your story and you're sticking to it. So quickly uh, today, I wanted to get into 
what has it been like to pastor during this pandemic? Um, obviously, no matter how many years of ministry experience you have, we are all brand new to this specific thing. And uh, so there's been a lot going on. There's been a lot that's taken place. It's hard to believe that March 15th was our first Sunday where we didn't have anybody in the building. And that's been two months ago. And it almost feels like two years ago at this point. So um, I want to know, like, what are some of the elements you found to be the most challenging trying to pastor in and through a pandemic? Yeah, yeah. So two and a half months, right? By the time we get through this Sunday, it's two and a half months. So that that is a long time. When you think about the percentage of the year, the percentage of the, of the 52 right. Sundays, it's a pretty significant percentage that we have been, you know, presenting ministry only online without in-person gatherings. And that is so abnormal for the church historically. It's never, it's never happened before. And so having to utilize, I'm thankful for you very much and for like Denny, our media guy and others who have helped us to get a reasonable online presentation, which I, I'm really grateful for that because that's really out of my wheelhouse and, um, and that we have a, a decent platform now is good and, and we're gonna be upgrading that I hope in the near future, future so we can make it even better. But I think, you know, there's the initial um, kind of, it took, takes a couple of weeks I think to get used to preaching to just a camera with only a couple of other people in the room. So we got our couple of media people, yourself and Allison in the room. So it's kind of weird preaching to four people plus a camera. Right. And probably the most awkward part of that is if you're in any way trying to be funny, like you're, you know, you want to be lighthearted or use humor and you have no idea if anybody gets what you're saying. And I think sometimes I probably have a bit of a quirky sense of humor anyway. So sometimes what I think is funny, people are like, that's not very funny. So I feel like, oh, you know, that's hard. At least you have Allison who, Allison is, is my wife and she's, she's the um, music team leader uh, for uh, our church. But she, she always, the rest of us are kind of sitting in our control booth in the back of the auditorium. You know, either we're typing away on computers or we're talking to each other about the stream, which in and of itself has the potential to be very distracting, but there's always, always Allison sitting in the front row. She's making sure to engage, laugh when she's supposed to laugh, nod her head when she's supposed to nod her head. She's, mm -hmm. she's yeah, she very much is, then she's demonstrative about it too. So you just got to love it. So taking the place yeah. of an auditorium full of people for you there. So, <laughs> yeah. So that there's an awkwardness there that, that that's, that was hard, but I, it's definitely not like, you know, the, the really hard part like when you're talking about something severe, it's when somebody in your somebody in your church is um, is grieving because somebody in their family is sick or has passed away. Mm. And now now we're talking. That's a whole nother world, right? That's that's like totally different, right? Uh, but as far as the the kind of the inner workings of the normalcy of life, having to postpone so much ministry. Uh, to either cancel or postpone so much ministry um, is is a pretty that's a that's a challenge um, for sure. 
So obviously uh, as a church, you're getting together all these different people with different perspectives and, and different backgrounds. And when you have something like this, that is um, a, a global crisis, there's going to be differences in opinion. I, I I'm thinking about, it was a, uh, it was a picture, a meme that was circulated last week, a couple of weeks ago of, of like all these different circles. And there was, you know, the pastor in the middle and all these different opinions around what's it been like to try to navigate that um, from your position. Yeah. And I, I know exactly what you're referring to. And I thought that was, that was poignant. Um, I appreciated that, that little meme I saw it on, I think it was Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think first I would say, I feel sorry for, maybe that's not the right way to say that, but I feel sorry for the pastors who are literally having to play like a, uh, you know, like a peacemaking role because they have significant division within their church or within their leadership team. You know, that's sad to me because the church, you know, needs to unite during the time like this. I mean, the, the church is, is as the as the bride of Christ and and the you know the family of God, we need to be really uh, wise about how we're acting and reacting in this situation. Mm-hmm. So, I thankfully I haven't had um, really any of that, or we haven't had really any of that. We've definitely got people with varying opinions, but especially like on our leadership team, the people in our leadership teams understand that there's a difference between a personal conviction, which certainly drives, you know, our thoughts and such, but then we have a, then we have a leadership responsibility. And so having, having a matter of conscience or a personal conviction about something uh, is well and fine, but we don't force that into a leadership situation in the church. So I'm really grateful for, for the maturity and, and the love and relationship that exists in our, in our, you know, core, but the church as a, as a whole, that's true as well. And so, yes, I'm, I'm, you know, having to navigate, play a bit of a kind of a peacemaker role, not nece- not because of division, but just like people have opinions about how things should go. And, um, but people are being pretty gracious about that. So it, while it, I, I would say it's hard, it's probably nothing like what other people are experiencing. And so for that, I'm grateful. Or, I mean, I picture myself in some sort of a, like, a, a, you know, the, our civil leaders, whether it's our local leaders, our state leaders, or national leaders, these men and women are getting raked over the coals, regardless of what they're deciding. Yeah. Whoever, yeah. Who, whatever they're deciding, there is a huge swath of the population that disagrees with them, and they vilify them and uh, just like are nasty, mean. Right. And I just, man, I got some. I definitely got opinions about the way some things are going here um, in our in our nation and definitely in our state, but, um, but we've got to, we've got to be careful how we present ourselves because we're representatives of Christ, not just, I'm not just representing Brent Kimball and his opinions in this world as, as a Christian. I, I need to be really careful about that. And then of course, as a Christian, as a leader in the, in the Christian church, I need to be careful with that as well. So I, I feel sorry for our, um, our civil leaders, our, our civic leaders, because they are, they're in a no-win situation. And right. they definitely, you know, we need to be praying for them for sure. And um, yeah, so. 
Yeah. Well, and I think that it gets even, um, it, it may get even, even trickier in the, in the weeks and months to come as we again, walk toward, um, back to a, a new normal, whatever that's going to look like. Um, sometimes it feels like it just, you you know, wherever you step, there's going to be a landmine. And so, um, like you said, city point has been entirely gracious and, and I know that we're thankful for that. Um, but we were going to refer to my backyard now that I've got a dog that wherever I step, there's going to be, and you said a landmine. So yeah. I, I wasn't tracking with you a hundred percent, but I am now. So that's good. That's what we call those anyway. So landmines. Step on the, yeah. yeah. Well, on. Lottie's so little, you know, she's just a little three pound puppy. So she's so little that those landmines are like littler than Tootsie Rolls. So they're yeah. not as dangerous as other settings. Yeah. Let's describe them more for people. Now I've got, everybody's got it now. <laughs> yes. Avoid any and all landmines. So that's going to be it for today. Thanks for joining us and being a part of the Inside Out podcast where we are learning to live the gospel with those inside the family of God and bring the gospel to those outside the family of God. You can catch this podcast on iTunes and Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. We'll see you next Friday. See you later.